From Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we read these words. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house and the land to the land that I shall show you. And I will make from you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is known as the Abrahamic covenant. Abram, eventually, God changes his name to Abraham. He makes this covenant, makes this promise that through Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is repeated to Abraham throughout his life. Starts here in chapter 12. You see it in chapter 18, verse 18, chapter 22, verse 18, chapter 26, verse 4, 28, verse 14. And in those, as God keeps repeating these things, he does give a little bit more uh, a glimpse or clarity to how this promise is going to be fulfilled. Through your seed, the nations will be blessed. By your offspring, all the families of the world will be blessed. This covenant promise of God given to Abraham is still relevant to us today. You hear it echoed out even in our mission statement here at Midland Free. Our mission statement says this. Can we bring that up? It says, we enjoy and glorify God. Embrace his world, excuse me, his word, and engage his world. There it's Like I said, it's an echo. Got to lean into it a little bit. Led by the spirit, everyone welcomes, plugs in, and reaches out. Let's pray. Father God, you are a good and gracious sovereign who before the foundations of the world were ever laid and established, you knew you would make a people. And these people would come from all the nations, from every tribe, from every tongue, from all the groups. And you will gather them from every corner of this world and they will worship you because they have been blessed by the offspring of Abraham. I pray, Lord, that we would find gratitude as we realize that we are those people who have been blessed through Abraham's heir. Be with us as we go into this text and realize that the job has not been finished. and We play a role in fulfilling that promise that you gave to Abraham those many, many, many years ago. We pray this in Jesus' name. So Midland Free Church seeks to engage the world. And, and, and I wanted to be careful. One of the challenges here is the world, often in, in, in a church setting, whatever, when we think of the world, we go far to the edges. And we do need to do that. But the world is also not that far. The world is also right outside our door. Or in some cases, the world is inside our homes. So we want to be faithful in engaging the world here, near, and far. So while this is in some ways a a sermon on missions, I am redefining missions a little bit here to be everywhere the gospel needs to be brought. The first sermon in this series as we've kind of been working through our mission statement we revealed this, this truth that we worship what we enjoy, right? If, if you enjoy something, you worship it. You ascribe glory to it. You naturally proclaim it to other people. Check out this restaurant. It's amazing. You know, perhaps you'll be cheering for a team you worship. I'll put that in quotes because, you know, we don't want to really say we worship that team, right? You've been praying for them for a long time. Maybe this is the year. Maybe, we'll see, right? Last Sunday, we talked about embracing God's word. And some of the reason we want to embrace God's word is because God has called us to be a light that shines out into a crooked and twisted and a dark world, right? As we 
grow in the word, we see more of God and we glorify him. And then we also, as we grow in the word and we glorify God more, we are better light. And so that the world would see his truth. These foundations to glorify and enjoy God, to, to embrace and dig deep into his word should produce a people who are passionate for engaging the world. And so this morning, I want to draw our attentions to a missional prayer song. So if you have a Bible, flip over to Psalm 67. This is a missional, meaning a, a doing, moving out. It's a prayer and it's a song. We read these words from Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge your peoples in equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. God called Abraham out of his land, right? Out of the land of his family and his people. God calls Abraham out of pagan worship. That's what he's doing prior to God speaking to him. And then he gives them this promise. I'm calling you out for a purpose. Through you, I am going to establish a offspring who will come and he will bless the nations. There is a prayer here in Psalm 67 that is asking for the fulfillment of what God had promised to Abraham 100 years before this is written. Here's the prayer. May God... Bless us, be gracious to us, make his face shine upon us. That has a reason. They don't just want it for just, it's just really nice. It'd be great to have. It's funneled out for a reason. We see it in verse two when it says, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. What happens when the nations or people come to see God and his saving power? Verse 3 points it out. Praise. When people see God and they, they see his glory and they see his majesty and they experience his salvation, they praise him. They sing songs. They're, they're glad. They rejoice and they sing for joy and they, they celebrate See that in verse four. Now I know that there are many of you here today who will hear what I just said there, say amen, and they're ready to like, what's next? But I also have the opportunity to teach here, and I know that there are some here who would say, hold on a second, Pastor Kurt. Psalm 67 is written to Israel to the descendants of Abraham, there to be blessed by God so that they would be a blessing to the families of the earth. We are not Israel, some would say. Therefore, there's a separation between what this is praying for, what this is seeking after, and us, the church, today. And to those folks, I would say, yes, you are right. Psalm 67 is rooted in the Abrahamic covenant prophesied first in Genesis chapter 12. But understand this. There has always been a divide between the people of Israel and the true remnant. Everyone who is a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is not an heir of Abraham. That's throughout the Old Testament. 
It speaks of a faithful remnant compared to the biological, if you will, heirs or offspring of Abraham. And I want us to look at something here that I think is is beautiful. and And I think we need to grasp here because God is still working to fulfill this promise to bless the nations through the offspring of Abraham. And I would say through you, the church. If you have a Bible, flip over to Galatians chapter three. I'm going to work a little bit backwards, if you will, kind of through Galatians 3 here for a moment. But in Galatians 3, take a look here at, at verse 16. And I want to point out Galatians is being written by a former Pharisee. He's being written by a man who said, I am a Jew amongst Jews. I'm an expert of the law. My parents were so religious, all of the practices. I was circumcised on the right day. I did all these things. I went to the right people. I I studied at the right schools. I am super Jew, is what he is saying. Look here what he then says here in Galatians to a church that's struggling. He says here in verse 16, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. Paul, who is a Jew, just said that offspring really isn't even me, a a Jew amongst Jews. It's actually Christ Jesus. He's the offspring. He says, the promises to an offspring, singular. Through this one singular offspring, all the nations, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Jesus is Israel. Through his life, lived in perfect obedience and in faithfulness to his heavenly father by his atoning death in your place through his victorious resurrection over sin and the grave. He shows himself as the promise one by which all the nations will be blessed. If you want to know the blessing of Abraham, you go to Jesus. That's the only place to go. You don't find it in religious practices. You don't find it in you know, self-fulfilling uh, betterment classes or whatever you might try to do. If you want blessing, you go to Christ. And here's where I'm saying I'm working backwards because that was verse 16. Let's go up a few verses. Look here at verses 12 through 14. Look what the Apostle Paul says here. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's us. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. You want the blessing of Abraham? Paul just said, you gotta go through Jesus. Let's go up a few more verses, starting verse 7, 7 through 9, Galatians 3, Paul says this, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. It's not by blood, it's by faith. Verse 8, and the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall the nations be blessed. So then those who, are, those who are of faith are blessed among Abraham, the man of faith. Paul is saying that God knew that you would come to know the gospel. And God was actually speaking about the gospel when he said to Abraham, through your offspring, the nations would be glad. The people would be blessed. One more verse before we jump back to Psalm 67. If you go to verse 29 of Galatians 3, you read this 
amazing statement here. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heir according to the promise. Paul is writing to the Galatian church that had received the gospel, but then was dealing with this, uh, this group of people who were trying to say, Jesus plus Judaism. Jesus plus religious acts, right? Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus, Jesus plus, and Paul is saying, Why? Why go back there if you already are an heir to Abraham? If you already have put your faith in the offspring of Abraham, you receive the blessing that was already promised to him. Why would you go back when you already have it? It's not found in these things. If the law could save, there would be no need for Christ. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. If you are a Christian, oh, how he has already done that. What could be more gracious? What could be a a better blessing than what you receive when you receive Christ? What could be more gracious than God coming in flesh, dying in your place, For you and me, sinful, rebel, we don't even want God. And God is coming out to meet us in our mess to forgive us so that he can draw us back to us. What could be more gracious than that? What could be more of God's face shining upon us than him saying, you are my beloved? I I can't think of anything. If you got something better than that, I will be in the lobby afterwards Come at me. I'd love to see what you got. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the seminal moment of by the, that this, this promise to Abraham is being worked out, but the task is not done. If you are one of those who have received the blessing of Abraham, you are one of these peoples who have been blessed through the offspring, Christ Jesus, you have also received a task. You see that here in Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us to bless us and make his face shine upon us. Why? That your ways may be known on the earth, your saving power among the nations, so that the people would praise you. Christian, if you have been blessed, it is for a reason. You are blessed to be a blessing. If you have eternal life, which is a blessing you have received through this air, it was given to you so that you would bless others. If you have a hope in this life and the next because of the heir of Abraham, you have received that blessing to be a blessing to others. If you have received forgiveness, it's to be a blessing to be received, to enjoy, but to also share with others. If you have the fellowship of the saints, the fact that we can get together here with with people of all different backgrounds and all different experiences and say, you're my brother, even though we are drastically different people, God has knit our hearts together. If you've experienced that blessing, it's not to be hoarded, it's to be shared. You are a blessing to be a blessing to others. You see this throughout the scriptures. Part of ascribing glory to something is calling others to enjoy it. See who my God is. As the psalmist writes, that your ways would be known upon the earth. He has done a mighty thing. Or as the psalmist writes, that the saving power of God would be known among the nations. Look at what he has done. Be glad and sing for joy. When people hear this message and believe, they praise God. It's almost as if Jesus was thinking of this passage when he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the God, Father who is in heaven. You have been blessed 
by Jesus that should stir works in you that want to, not to save yourself, you've already been saved, but as, as, as a work to show who he is, to honor him, to show glory to him, to say, I don't even know why I want to do this, but Jesus has changed my heart and I want to serve. What does that do? It doesn't make people look at you. It directs their eyes to God and they see him and they find him delightful. And they're drawn to him and they experience the blessing of him. You have been blessed so as to be a blessing to others The primary blessing here, the primary concern is not physical. The world's greatest need is not a physical need. The world's greatest need is a spiritual need. The world needs God. When I was younger, there was that TV show where they would find a, you know, a needy family and they would show up and first they used to just fix it, but then they were like, no, we're gonna tear down the entire house and rebuild it in a week. And I used to think like, man, I really wish I was really needy. <laughs> because I would love for them to come to whatever house I was living at that time and knock it down and build, you know, this super mini mansion kind of thing and all the cool stuff like that. But the reality is, is giving me a house is, is momentary. It's a fleeting thing. I might have a nice house for a while, but that doesn't mean fire can't raise it to the ground. It doesn't mean that I have an eternal dwelling place. Christians, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, Paul tells us in Ephesians 1. If you are a Christian, the spirit of God dwells in you and you have every, every, every spiritual blessing. Not to hoard it, not to hold it tight, but to share it with others. Here's the thing that's crazy about this. I don't know how God does this, but as I share spiritual blessings, as, as I share with my life with others, and I, I try to help them to, to see the glory of God, and I help them to, to find joy in their Savior, I'm blessed by that. It's blessing to them, but, but I receive blessing as well. So call me selfish, but I really want God to bless me, so I'm going to seek to bless others. Because the more I find delight in him, the more I praise him and the more I share him with other people. Let us not be hoarders. Let us be bearers of good news. That is, that is our task. We are vessels here to carry the good news of the gospel, the blessing of the son of Abraham, who is also the son of God, to the people who do not yet know it. I do need to say this, though. While this greatest need is a spiritual poverty, we have been blessed physically as well. Even these physical blessings that have been given to you, they are given to you by God, and you are called to be a steward of it. I don't remember the church, uh, I don't remember the website address. I'll try to remember it later. I don't know. Maybe I'll remember it at the benediction or whatever the case is. But you can go online. I think it's like howrichami.com. Type in what you make and you can find where you are in the pecking order of the 8 billion people in the world. You're laughing, but do it. And you will be shocked to find that if you live in the United States, you are nowhere near even halfway. I'm not saying that there aren't people in this body here who are struggling financially, you know, have material needs. And, and, and we, again, as the church, we are called to care for those brothers and sisters. So I want to push on us here a little bit. But I also want to say we here often use discretionary funds in such foolish ways. And I'm speaking to me just as much as anybody else. And I'm saying this for my wife. I don't know why we spend money on pets. 
And I have dogs that I love very, very much. But there are people dying who do not know the gospel. And I'm feeding a dog food. That's a battle in my life. And I'm being here honest with you. We have physical, we have physical needs and we should do that. But I want to help meet physical needs, not for the sake of meeting physical needs. People need clean drinking water. People need medical treatment. But the reality is they will be thirsty the rest of their life if they do not find the spiritual refreshment of Christ Jesus. And they will be sick and they will die a death for all eternity if they do not know the great physician. Therefore, You, Christian, you have been called to engage the world. This psalmist is praying, people, be gracious to me, shine your face upon me, not for myself, but for the sake of the nations, for the sake of the people. I will go out so that they will know you. We are called to engage the world Towards the end of John's gospel, we come to what's known as the high priestly prayer. It's uh, Jesus prays this. If you have a Bible, flip over to John 17. This is, this is the longest prayer that we have of Jesus. He's, he's coming towards the end of his life. He knows what's around the corner. He, he knows he's going to be arrested. He knows he's going to be beaten. He knows he's going to be falsely accused. He knows he's, he's going to be crucified. And he prays these words. John chapter 17. Starting verse 11, he says, I am no longer in the world, but they, speaking of his disciples, his followers, but they are in the world. I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. That's Judas. The scripture, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Verse 13. But now I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. For their sake, I consecrate myself that they also might be sanctified in the truth. He's talking about the disciples there. You sent me, I'm sending them. Keep reading because he's talking about you as well. Verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. That's us, church. See, you're in the Bible. Verse 21. That they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. And they also may be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Christian, we are sent people. We are sent into the world so that the world will know that Jesus was sent by the Father. That's our job. If you look at Romans 10, you you, you see that Paul is speaking to the church there and he calls out to them and he says, you know, uh, Troy read actually this already, you know, for the scripture says that everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same is in the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I love that Troy pointed this out. How does that happen? It isn't preach the gospel always and if necessary, use words. It's use words. Why? Because I have met some really, really, really amazing Mormons. And I have met some really, really amazing atheists. And I have met some really, really amazing Buddhists. 
We're all destined to hell, but if you looked at your life and they would say, man, they are living a good life. They're kind, they're, they're helpful. They're all these other things. But Paul goes on and he says, how will they call on him whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent Jesus sent you. That's what he prayed in in John 17. The good news for all nations is to come through us. We are called to engage the world wherever you find yourself. Some of you will be led to the remote corners of the world. Others of you maybe will go to like urban centers and, and you'll be doing stuff there. But most of us will be living ordinary lives, blessing people through ordinary means as we seek to live a life that seeks to honor and glorify God. We will engage the world for the sake of joy. I want people to be glad. He has commissioned you, go make disciples of all nations. He has already promised us that he will build his church I don't know what more we need to say. I think we should be engaging the world. Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus says these words, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. The reality is, We are called to engage the world. And the the job will get done. The question is, is will you play a role in it? If you want the end of the world to come, according at least to Jesus in Matthew 24, it will only come when all the nations have heard the gospel. The call, the task will be accomplished. What part will you play in it? The Psalm 67 ends actually looking to the future doesn't show up as much in in the English translation, but but it's looking to the future here. The earth has yielded its increase. It's not not yet. It's it's still doing it. It it, it isn't past tense. God, our God, shall bless us fuller, better, greater at that time. God shall bless us. Let all the earth Fear him. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The question is, is will we help people to do it now? Let us be a redeemed people who are light shining in a dark world. I just want to drive home this point here. Why engage the world? Why do it? Because God is worthy of all praise and honor. Why engage the world? Because it's something we don't like to think about. Every person who has not called on the name of Jesus will live forever and ever just like us who have, but they will live in eternal death and destruction separated from their joy, separated from the God who could satisfy all their heart's desires. Why engage the world? Because that loved beloved brother or sister you have who don't know Jesus, they are destined for hell. Why engage the world? Because all the people and all the cars driving around you, so many of those people have no clue who Jesus is and they are destined to die an eternal death and be separated from God. Why engage the world? Because that sweet little baby you hold in your arms, if they never call in the name of Jesus, will not be with you forever and ever. More importantly, they will not be with Jesus forever and ever. Why engage the world? Because people are dying. I know that's not fun to think about. Why engage the world? Be happy people engage the world because the reality is is none of us would be sitting in this room if there wasn't someone who was saying, I'm going to engage the world. Why else? Why don't we? Why don't we engage the world? 
Simply put, I think the main reason we don't do this, we aren't faithful to engage the world here, near, and far, is we fear man more than we fear God. We are so afraid to offend. As the Whartons were up here praying for the missionaries and the work of the gospel in Southeast Asia, there are people who, when they share the gospel, are stripped naked, beaten, doused with gasoline, set on fire. And we're afraid because we might lose our job. I'm not saying losing your job isn't a hardship, but is God worth it? Why don't we share the gospel? Because comfort is easy. And they might get mad at me, they might shout at me, or they might call me a bigot or a closed-minded. Fine. Why don't we engage the world? I think a lot of it is because we don't truly delight in the Lord. If that team ends up winning the big game, I'm not even talking this one, but maybe like going on like the game, people in this state in the middle of winter will run around in the streets, half clothes, shooting off fireworks, For a team that is, whether they win or lose, that dude's still making a million dollars a day. But we won't go out and be in comfortable situations and share the gospel, the message of life with people who are dying. I think we lack gratitude and we lack grasping the grandeur of God. So how do we do a better job at this? How do we engage the world? Pray. When was the last time you prayed for the loss? And not just prayed for like, Lord, save Uncle Jerry so that the next meal he comes over, he won't be a pain in the butt. I mean like, Lord, rock Uncle Jerry to the core of his fiber that he will be ridiculously in love with you. Or when was the last time you prayed, Lord, break my heart for those who do not know you. Help me to have heartbreak when I meet someone who who is still far from you. They don't know the blessing of this son of Abraham. Let me weep over those who are out there. Pray. What's another way? I don't know who said this, but but I heard this. Someone made this quote. I don't know who quoted this, but I love it. 90% of life is just showing up. Just show up. Be wherever you are. We are not called to be a holy huddle, right? We don't circle the wagons and then we just look at other brothers and just sisters to say, man, God was so gracious to you. No, he was gracious to you. No, to you. No, no, look at what he's done for you. That's not what we're called to do. I mean, yes, we're called to come together and and encourage one another and and pray for one another, but, but for a purpose to go out. There's a Christian sociologist named James Hunter and he wrote these words, quote, Faithful presence in the world means that Christians are fully present and committed in the sphere of influence, wherever that might be, their families, the neighborhood, volunteer activities, and place of work, end quote. You want to be an influence? Be present. Be a Christian wherever you are. Don't check your faith at the door. Ask questions. A friend of mine who was a pastor, before he was a pastor, he worked as a bank uh, manager, and he said, one of the best ways I ever started gospel conversations is I would just ask someone, how are you doing? And generally mean it. Like, how are you doing? I was talking to a a brother, actually, yesterday, um, and we were talking about this, and I said, when I ask someone how they're doing, and and I really say, I want to know how you're doing, every person I've ever met has a problem. Right? 
And if, if I actually have a relationship, they'll usually say something like, well, I'm struggling with this with my kid or this situation at work or whatever. And I have the opportunity to say, what are you putting your hope in there? It sounds like you're thinking you can manipulate this and it's all gonna work out right. But the reality is, is you know, we can't actually manipulate things and have them always work out right. And then there's the door to the gospel. And don't just say, I'll pray for you. Remind them of the gospel. Ask good questions. Find joy in salvation. If you're a Christian, we are people who should be more joyous than any other person. Find joy. How can you be faithful in doing this? How do we engage the world? Simply put, stop being a jellyfish. Are you familiar with jellyfish? I know you guys are surrounded by fresh water up here, but if you go a little bit further east or west, you'll run into these things called oceans, and they have salt in them, and then they have these, I love jellyfish. I think they're beautiful creatures. I've never been stung by one yet, but I, I think they're, they're amazing. But what do jellyfish do? They just float with the current. You have Christ, therefore, i.e., you have a backbone. Swim against the current. Don't be tossed to and fro by the waves of, of religious practices or philosophies of the world. You are a Christian. Swim against the current. You have the power of God with you to embolden you so that even though you don't know what to say, when you pray, Lord, I don't have a clue what to say, guess what might come out of your mouth? The words of God. Don't be like the world. Remember this. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Those are God's words through the prophet Isaiah. The apostle John in 1 John 4, 4 says this though. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Let's have some boldness, church. Let us be passionate, engaging the world because there are people who are lost. And the reality is God has already said that the nations would be glad in him. That people from every tribe and tongue will call on his name. And some of those people and those nations are way out there. And I praise God for the people and the men and women that he's raised up from this church and other churches who are going out there to bring the gospel. But I also praise God for the men and women that he's raising up in this church to bring the gospel to the nations that are already here. They're here. You don't have to go 7,000 miles away. You can go seven miles. Let us be active in engaging the world because worship of God does not exist. We want the world to worship him. Let us be active in engaging the world so that others would be glad in God because when other people find joy in God, that makes me happy too. So church, we have been called to engage the world. You, if you are a Christian, you have been blessed. Why? So that the nations would know God. They would know his salvation. And they would know the heir of Abraham by which all these things come through. Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord. As we come here to this time. There's some weight here in what was shared. But I pray here that we would remember the gospel even in this. Because the reality is, is even in our failings, when we were not faithful, when we have held our tongue and did not share the gospel, when we have held selfishly those, those blessings, spiritual blessings, physical blessings, when we have held those blessings that you have given us as stewards to, to funnel out to the world, that they would know you and, and be glad in you and, and find joy in you, that we would remember the gospel. Let us not beat ourselves up. Let us instead come humble, humble with repentant hearts. Forgive us, Lord, when we did not do what you have called us to do. And let us know, Lord, that because of Christ's death and his resurrection, even that sin has been forgiven. 
And so let us come with repentive hearts, but let us also come pleading. Lord, break our hearts for the people who do not know you. Break our hearts for those who are in need. Break our hearts, Lord, for the lost. That we would have a passion to make famous the name of Jesus above all names. That we would long for with eager joy and anticipation for the time when all nations will be glad in Jesus. When all nations will fear the Lord and see that he is good. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kurt. So let's stand, please, and sing together. May we delight in him, and may he truly break our hearts that others would be able to sing this along with us. By grace I am redeemed, by grace I am restored, and you are redeemed and restored for a purpose, and it's to make much of the name of Christ Jesus.
So some announcements here before I send you out. First, uh, the elders, some elders, pastors, some of the care team will be up here front. If you, if you want to talk with them, if you have a prayer need or, or something that you're just wrestling with, please come, come talk to us. We would love to have, have that opportunity. Also want to say uh, thanks to, to all of, of, of the women in particular, but also I know some of the guys helped out with that as well. But the, the women's conference, I, I know it was a blessed time for, for a lot of those women to, to come and to hear from, from Shannon and to spend some time in the workout sessions and things like that to think through things. So thank you, ladies, for doing that. And for all of you, I hope you were refreshed and, and, and encouraged by that. Also want to encourage you, starting this Wednesday, actually, we are doing our Spiritual You uh, another class on there, and it's going to be working through the, the subject or the topic of worship, and uh, I pray that it would be an encouragement to you, so put that on your calendars, and, and by worship, please don't just think singing music, that is an aspect of worship, but talking about what it means to worship God in all areas of our life, and all aspects, that's starting um, this, this Wednesday, 6.30, put that on your calendars, if you guys are in this area, you have the privilege of stacking some chairs, if you wouldn't mind helping us with that. And then also, if you want to help roll those into the closet, we would appreciate that as well. I send you out with these words of Jesus from Acts chapter one. He says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Right? Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. This has already happened. But that's not where he stops. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are called to engage the world for the sake of the gospel and that Jesus' name would be exalted. So let us be faithful in our commitment to Christ in all things. Have a blessed week, church.